Welcome back to another episode of Stern Chats. I'm Devna Shukla. And I'm Andrew Slotnick. We're so excited to have Francois Anderson here today. He's a Stern alum originally from Montego Bay, Jamaica. Andrew, what was your favorite part of our conversation? Two things about our conversation really stuck out. First of all, I really enjoyed hearing about how Francois used soccer as a vessel for a great educational experience, coming to the United States for high school and then playing soccer at Columbia and ultimately ending up here at NYU Stern. And then secondly, Francois is the president of Stern Speaks, which is a really great opportunity to learn about deep experiences of Stern students here at school. So those were the two things that I really enjoyed uh, discussing with Francois. We also want to thank Nasham Jamshidi and Bob Kerr for producing and directing from the booth today. Andrew, are you ready? Flip the switch and let's go. Let's cue that music. University Stern Campus, this is Stern Chats, the podcast that tells the hidden stories between the lines of someone's resume. In the interest of serving the Stern community, building relationships, and unlocking important life lessons, we present these stories to a wider audience. Welcome to another episode of Stern Chats. I'm Andrew Slotnick, and we have a great show for you today. Uh, Joining us in the studio is Devna Shukla. Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me here today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Devna. Of course. I'm really excited to introduce a phenomenal MBA2 that we have here at Stern, Francois Anderson, who I think has arguably the coolest name and the coolest accent that fills the hallways (laughs) with so much joy. Welcome, Francois. Thank you guys for having me. That was an awesome introduction, so thank you. Thank you for, for saying those wonderful things. Of course. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? We call it the 30-second pitch here. All right. I'm Francois Anderson, MBA2. I'm studying finance, strategy, and marketing here at NYU Stern. And I'm from Montego Bay, Jamaica. Montego Bay. Yes. <laughs> I've never been. Devna, have you been to Montego Bay? I have been many years ago for a family vacation. It's beautiful and the people there are lovely, but I can't wait to hear more from Francois about the real Montego Bay. It's a it's a great place. I highly enjoyed my time growing up there and um, I'm excited to share anything that you guys want to learn about Montego Bay. Awesome. So, so we did a little bit of research ahead of time yeah. and we learned that what actually brought you away from Montego Bay is the fact that you are an expert soccer player, or you may know it as football. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I have to say, saying expert might be a slight misconception. Much or... better than me playing with a child. That's for better sure. than the mean player. Yeah, so um, I grew up playing football or um, soccer, as we say here in the States. And I turned out to be pretty good at it, better than average, I would say. Um, Played all my life through primary school, through high school. Um, During high school, I I represented um, the country at the national under-17 level, and um, that was where, you know, someone randomly saw me play and um, pretty much told um, me and another friend um, that, you know, they've did some research on us and they've realized that we have good academic standing and we're also good soccer players as well and so if we wanted to further our um or education we should look into attending prep schools in the united states and what's what's amazing about soccer to me is that it is mm-hmm. absolutely a sport that transcends the world 
and you can go to any country like Jamaica, and there is a U17 team. Right. And uh, the ability to compete at that level, no matter where you come from, is something that's that resonates with me. What was it like competing in an environment um, with people from all over the world, knowing that you're going up against the best of the best for your age group? So I, I should provide this with um, some structure. So we had the, the CONCACAF region yep. no games. So essentially, these are the group of teams within you know the Caribbean and North America region, um, some Central American teams as well, um, that we, we compete to go to the, um, the National Honor 17 World Cup. And so we, um, we had games against um, Cuba, Grenada, um, Haiti, all the um, different um, teams within that region. We didn't really make it that far, so um, so we didn't necessarily get to play against like the really great teams. We didn't even make it far enough to play against the United States. Um, um, but it was a great experience playing against different players from different countries and just seeing you know another country through soccer was a great experience as well. Did you want to play professionally, yeah. or did you always look at it as this really great hobby that you were obviously very good at? Yeah, I've never really had a, a dream of playing professionally, to be honest, or nothing serious. I mean, I think every kid growing up would have loved to, to play at the highest level possible, but um, I always used it as a vehicle to further my education when I thought, when I realized that that was a viable means of getting the best education possible. So what was that process like? Um, here you are, you're playing at a very high level in Jamaica. There are obviously a number of prep schools in the United States or yeah. other types of institutions that really care about bringing players in from other countries yeah. for a variety of reasons. So sure. maybe can you walk us through what it was like meeting folks from the United States for the first time, analyzing these options yeah. of coming to school in the United States? Yeah, so um, just to provide some color um, around how I actually got to, to Kent School. So um, as I said before, you know, this random person um, saw us and um, he told us about the schools and we pretty much thought it was a scam. It just sounded incredible, like really too good to be true. And, you know, we told our parents and, you know, my mom, you know, thought that, you know, this is it's ridiculous and, and not true at all. And think someone was maybe trying to get over on us. Um, but it became a, a realistic option when coaches from these schools started to, to reach out to us. Um, and this one coach particularly from Kent School, he was really interested in, in getting us there, not having seen us play before, but realizing that we had good academic standing and the things that he heard about us. And um, he decided to try to get us there. And um, that's pretty much how I got to attend Kent. But um, the transition from, from Montague to Kent, Connecticut was a pretty drastic one because I remember the day it was like, September 3rd, 2006, when... Um, down I'm, to the day. Down wow. to the day, yeah. <laughs> At like a, a 3 p.m. or a 4 p.m. flight in the afternoon. Even better. The time. And, the flight. You remember the flight exactly. number? I, I, Let's I go that far. That. Yeah, I just remember like, just bawling my eyes out because I was leaving my family. Um, you know, my mom pretty much dropped me at the airport, and I remember she's saying that, or she thinks that she has raised me well enough to go on and spread my wings and just go out and do good and... Um, yeah, once you said that, I, I just lost it. And while I was just going through security, I kept looking back and, you know, waving goodbye to her with, with tears streaming down my, my face. Um, and I got picked up by the director of admissions for the school when I um, landed in the States. And was, I've never met her before. It was just this random woman being uh, picking picking me up um, from the airport and um, full blown sign Francois soccer <laughs> player. Welcome. So, <laughs> I'm your driver. I know. To take you so to school. funny enough, um, 
once I, you know, came through, you know, I guess customs and um, baggage claim and all that, um, she saw me and I, she immediately knew that she was picking me up. She knew um, that I was the person serendipitously. I, I, I don't know how that worked out, but, um, but you know, um, many thoughts came through my mind. I, you know, is this uh, some high level child trafficking scheme like you know it's it's pretty pretty <laughs> it's, scary it's <laughs> but uh, you may never know but it all it's all worked out i can absolutely understand yeah. that um i don't know about you devna but let me rephrase that there are only a handful of moments in my life that i can really yeah. remember as this being like a is this really happening type of moment yeah. and i can only imagine how well formed it is in your brain to the point where you can memorize the minutes as to when it happens um, I don't know if you've experienced that before. Yeah, I'm also really struck by your sense of fearlessness. So despite being really overwhelmed by saying goodbye to your mom, you still got on that plane at 16 and moved here by yourself. The sense of trust that you also had in this school to just take a chance to. And also this like commitment to your education. I think it's really an incredible sort of facet that you have about yourself. Where do these values come from? Are they things that you've learned from your mom or from other family members? Yeah, so my mom has been a lifetime educator. She She's actually no retired teacher, but um, she has taught for 43 years, I want to mm. say. So around, definitely wow. over 40 years. So she's been in the classroom a long time. And um, she has instilled in all her children um, the value of education and you know, I, I kind of internalized it and took that to heart. Um, when I was 10 years old, I um, played on my first competitive team for my um, primary school's um, under-12 football team. And when I went to tryouts, um, she said that, well, you know, if your grades aren't good enough, you know you're not playing football. Um, That's a good and, mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of internalized that because I wanted to play football. Like playing, Not playing football was never an option for me. So needless to say, I had to do well in school. Um, and from then on, I've always made it a, a duty to, to keep my grades at a certain level because if my grades dropped below a certain level, I wouldn't have felt comfortable, you know, playing football. Mm. So. So your journey to the United States, obviously incredibly inspiring, but unfortunately it wasn't with complete ease. Right. Um, something very difficult happened um, around the time you were looking to, to go to Kent School. Can you maybe discuss that a little bit? Sure. So my friend, Omroy Wilson, uh, rest in peace. So we, were, we became friends through our state's on youth teams sure. um, from under 12 through under 17 at the time and uh, we became friends uh, when I think I was 11 or 12 years old at the time. He was a year ahead of me in school and we went to the same high school so we played on the same high school teams, the same spa same parish teams and all the different regional teams and the different youth teams up until the equivalent of, of varsity in our high school. So we spent a lot of time together and um, he became one of my best friends. Like we did pretty much everything together. Um, it was actually through me and Eddie. And um, whenever you see one, you'll see all three of us. Um, we were that close. Amra and I made it um, to the, the national under-17 team together. And he was actually the captain of the team. And, Yellow armband. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and phenomenal um, athlete as well. And um, so he was the, the other student athlete that um, this person recommended going to um, prep school to, to further our education. And um, so we're all doing that. We're in this together, right? Like we're going through the processes 
um, together, at, you know, filling out the applications and, you know, getting recommendations and so on and so forth to, um, to officially apply to Kent to, um, and hopefully get accepted. And um, we both received our acceptance letters around the same time. And, and so um, this is about April of 2006. Um, we're, all right, we made a decision that we're going to take this journey together. And um, May 14th, he was, um, or May 27th, it was one of those days, um, he was celebrating his birthday. And um, he met in a car accident. So the year prior, we celebrated his birthday by, you know, going to another school's barbecue and all that. And um, we planned on doing the same thing that following year. And um, I was taking my... Um, is it the Caribbean region eg regional exams called okay. uh, the Caribbean Examination Council exams, um, CXC for short. Um, so my mom was like, "Look, you're not going on this um, trip because you have your um, exams to study for." And you know, I was a I, I wasn't the type of um, child to really push back. I was I was pretty obedient as a child. Um, so I was like, "All right, cool, that makes sense." So I was um, you know study. It was a Saturday. I was studying for my integrated science exam, which is that, that upcoming Monday. And um, I got a call from, from Eddie, who was our other friend, saying that he heard that Omar met in an accident and he's on his way to the hospital. Um, so I was like, all right, let me try and get more information and see what hospital and all that. Um, but it didn't, he didn't really sound too alarmed uh, in that call. But then he called me back about 15 minutes later on and told me that um, Omar had succumbed to his injuries and, and died. And that was um, three months before we were supposed to board a plane to go off to Connecticut together. So that was that that was difficult. <laughs> yeah. So you're 16. 70. Sev I, I just turned 17. 17. Time, yeah. You lose one of your best yeah. friends in a car accident. You pick up and then move to the U.S. What did you learn about yourself during that time? Um, man, I think it was just um, sheer resilience and resourcefulness because... Um, I had to, you know, seek help in different ways and I rely on the support system that um, I had. Um, so that definitely helped me get through with, uh, you know, friends sharing, you know, this common experience, but also um, family members encouraging me and pushing me along as well, knowing that, um, you know, life still goes on mm -hmm. um, regardless of tragedy. And, um, you know, you do your best to, to honor, like, you know, those who... Who you who you've lost, but um, but also making sure that you're you're keeping keeping life going and uh, not losing focus off you know that main goal that you have. Yeah. So, you have this really difficult experience. You're now in the United yeah. States. Um, you went through with obviously a really tough decision to continue going to the United States after suffering this loss. Yeah. You get to the Northeast. What is the first thing that you remember really hitting you about living in America, going to school in America, playing soccer in America? What positives, negatives? What was your first impression of of coming to the country? Oh man, I so when I went on the the campus for the first time, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. It was the, the most gorgeous um, campus I've seen. Um, and Connecticut prep schools. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a different world. Um, Very well groomed grass fields, etc. I I thought that you know these um, pictures in the brochures were photoshopped, or like you know, <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is actually real. Um, so that was that was exciting, and um, we're. Um, on campus a few days earlier because we started to do our um, soccer trials and practice and all that. But um, the first two days of classes were absolutely brutal. 
And I, I remember after my last class on the second day, I went into Miss um, Sullivan's office. Miss Sullivan was the um, director of admissions at the time who picked me up from the airport. Um, ran to her office and I was I was just crying. I was bawling. I was like, look, I cannot do this anymore. Um, I want to go home. I cannot stay here any longer. Everything sucks. Like, you know, I I am not making friends and um, I just uh, failed a, a history test and it, it was just bad. On day two? On day two. It was like a preliminary um, <laughs> test, the test or, or knowledge of U.S. history. That's tough. Oh, yeah. U.S. history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, I mean, like, George Washington, if that, what your so levels I, got in I remember there. one question that I, I, I got right, like, you know, who, you know, quote unquote, discovered America. I mean, uh, well, we're in the Americas. Sure. I, I, I've heard of Christopher Columbus before. <laughs> but, you know. um, so, yeah, it was it was not a good time. But she um, she heard me out and she talked me off the ledge a little bit and um, assured me. She reassured me that, you know, things would get better. I, you know, I'm not the first student to do this and I'm certainly not going to be the last. Um, so I kind of took comfort in that. And, you know, I went along and as um, as time went on, you know, I decided I started to you know, become more settled um, in this new life and started to um, make friends and started to, you know, get better grades and, and all of that. So um, so it was it was a transition and that, that's like the, the um, most vivid thing that I can think about during that transition was like just that period of time when, you know, my phone bill was high because I called home every single day and just re- trying to connect with my family because I didn't have any friends and like you know it was just a completely new environment with the culture shock and everything else that was going on were people yeah. in the kent community kind to you it sounds like miss sullivan was someone you could talk to and be honest with what yeah. were your classmates like and your team members like oh everyone was welcoming um one of my um friends particularly um alston um he um lived pretty close to school and um, he kind of um, took a liking to me, and uh, we became really good friends. He um, he looked out for me, so whenever um, there's a, a weekend where he could take me home, like he would, and you know I'd have a nice warm meal. I actually witnessed my first um, snow at his house, uh, which is <laughs> something that I remember. But um, but in general, um, people were pretty welcoming and and nice, and um, I really appre- it definitely made the time or the transition. Um, much easier than otherwise. So you progress through high school, you obviously excel, you go on to Columbia, yep. um, and you transition to living in New York. And now you've been in New York for a very long time. A long time, yeah. So what is it about New York that made you interested in staying here for the long run? Obviously, you have your family back in Jamaica right. um, and making a career in the New York area, coming to Stern, so double New Yorker mm-hmm. from an educational mm-hmm. standpoint. Right. Um, what what influenced you? So um, Kent is really really rural, really rural, and um, and so having had that experience for two years, I wanted to go to attend college in the biggest city possible <laughs> uh, because I wanted to to have that um, that experience. A different. Ex- I didn't want to do a rural setting anymore. I, I enjoyed my time at Kent, but I wanted a different experience and. Um, I had the chance to attend Columbia, and um, I applied, and I got in. I was like, "All right, well, I'm going to to New York." And um, I really love the the energy of New York. Um, it's fast paced. It's uh, there's so many things to do. Um, I've been here so long because I haven't got tired of that just yet. Um, so I went to Columbia. Then I uh, after graduating, I um, 
my when I started working, I, it was in here in New York. Um, then um, I wanted to come to Stern because of all the professional goals, but also it wasn't necessarily my um, entirely my decision to make because like I you know I had my um, fiance now wife at the time and like she wanted to stay in New York. She wasn't ready to leave New York, so. Um, so once I applied to schools and I got into Stern, and she was like, all right, well, <laughs> we're staying in New York. And, um, so that, that's what really made me stay here for, um, much longer. Aside from the weather, yeah. what do you miss most about Mentigo Bay? And your mom. We, we do love <laughs> some Mama Anderson over here already. Right. Um, I, I think just the, the entire vibe, really. Um, it's pretty laid back. Um, people are welcoming um, the food, uh, the culture, uh, you guys need to go to, if not Montego Bay, just go to somewhere. It's a good time. Um, people are lovely. People are great. Um, and, and the, the food is, especially the food, um, you can get like, you know, your jerk chicken on the side of the road or like your jerk pork, or, you know, if you're a vegetarian, there are options too, because, um, there are a lot of vegetarians in Jamaica. It's a dominant Rastafarian culture and most Rastafarians are. It's just a, an awesome place to be. I, I can't, say you know positive things about Montego Bay and Jamaica at large. Absolutely. So you've been in New York, you're here at Stern. Obviously I think a lot of us when we come to Stern we have a very specific idea of what we want to get out of the experience. Yeah. I had an idea, it completely changed within whatever the first <laughs> six months I, I was here. Devin, I don't know if you felt the same way when you got to Stern. It's definitely a process you have to go through I think here for sure to find out why you're here and what you ultimately want to do here at the same time. So did you have that set goal and did it change at all? Obviously, you were successful when it came to your summer internship and what you're doing afterwards, working in marketing. Um, you got involved with a number of organizations here, such as Stern Speaks. Um, how did things change or was it in line with what you had expected? There hasn't been, been many changes for me in terms of the original goal that I had set out for myself. So I wanted to study marketing. I wanted to get into brand management. Um, I also wanted to stay in New York. I wanted to attend the best marketing programming program within the Northeast region. Um, and Stern pretty much checked all those boxes for me. So plug for um, admissions, best <laughs> exactly. marketing program <laughs> Ever. Northeast. Exactly. Region. Maybe the or maybe maybe the country. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe maybe the world. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's um let's big up the the admissions team here. Um, no, so um, once I got into Stern, I was like, "All right, let's let's do this." And then um, I stayed with marketing through and through. Um, I re recruited for um, brand marketing and brand management. Um, did my um, summer internship at Colgate Palmolive. Then, you know, thankfully I got a full time offer, so I'm going back to to Colgate after graduation. So it was like pretty streamlined. Um, I didn't really divert from the the original goal um, at all, but. Um, one thing I want to say, though, is that I, I had a pretty rigid checklist, and I didn't divert from that. But I, it, I was pleasantly surprised to, to experience the, the culture here at Stern because I didn't take that into consideration at all. For any school that I applied to, you know, I, I, it was very, you know, professionally focused. Um, but um, to my pleasant surprise, I, you know, the, 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 um, the culture here is one that, you know, it's very welcoming, it's collaborative, people get along really well, and um, I've really had a great time here outside of, you know, classroom activities and outside of, like, you know, coursework and recruiting. I think, you know, the, the community here is a, is a great one to be a part of. 
What's one of, one of your favorite memories of your time here at Stern since you are approaching graduation? So one of my favorite, I was actually having this conversation last night with um, Jasmine Cabeza. So she did um, Stern Speaks uh, a couple of weeks ago and um, fortunate for me, I was her coach. Um, she's a brilliant woman. And um, I remember doing her speaks um, during the Q&A portion. I think um, Stephen Avila asked her um, a question and the way that she she answered that question, it was just such a poignant, real moment um, that it was just beyond anything that I'd experienced at Stern. And it was so far from, you know, the typical conversations about, you know, recruiting and like where you're coming from or what your professional goals are, so on and so forth. It was very personal, um, very relatable. And um, that, that was easily, that's easily one my favorite um, moment at Stern because of how real and genuine and authentic that moment was. Sure. Francois, do you mind just um, stepping back a second and explaining what Stern Speaks is? I know you're very involved with it, just so our listeners can have a better idea if they're not familiar with it. Sure. So um, Stern Speaks, um, it's pretty similar to Stern Chats, but in a different format. Shout out to Stern Chats. You guys are doing an awesome There's a little job. bit of confusion. Exactly. <laughs> between Stern Chats and Stern exactly. Speaks, but it is different. <laughs> so whereas um, Stern Chats is um, a podcast, Stern Speaks is um, a live version, closed doors um, presentation, if you will or similar to a TED Talk, but more intimate, um, where um, cla your classmates can come to listen to two speakers, an MBA 1 and an MBA 2, pretty much um, share their stories, or um, stories that wouldn't necessarily come up in conversation, but essentially sharing a part of yourself that no one else um, within the Stern community would know or hear about. Um, and... Uh, I think it's just an awesome thing to do because you're giving our classmates an opportunity to really, you know, shed some light on different things that they've faced in the past or uh, current issues that they're facing, so on and so forth. And it allows us to be, um, we can relate to these stories and um, it allows these speakers to be vulnerable and honest in what they talk about without judgment. And um, I think that's an, that's an important thing um, to any community because I think it adds a real value to the community because we're taking away from those superficial conversations. We're having, you know, much um, deeper connections through these stories. And I think that's an awesome thing. Are there stories that you've heard either in the hallways or through friends that you feel like are still sort of untold that we need to sort of share more of? Because I think Stern Chats and Stern Speaks, we shared that passion and commitment to telling people's stories. Yeah, I'm not sure if um, our hallway conversations go... Um, that deep yeah. enough to, and, and um, I think that's definitely you know something I would love to see more of within the community um, and if you know certain speaks and certain chats can be you know uh, a platform to kind of encourage these conversations uh, that would be a great thing um, for the future for sure. I think bottom line when all of us spend a lot of money to go through an experience like business school having the opportunity to have those deep conversations really brings out that next level of connection of beyond just, hey, this person is my classmate. Mm -hmm. No, I know about them. I know where they came from. I know the hardships they went through. And that's something that doesn't leave. So 10 years down the road, I know, hey, I know what this person went through when they were a child. Right. I feel totally comfortable continuing a regular relationship with them. And I think that really strengthens the bond mm -hmm. of, of Stern. And I think it's a fantastic 
thing that happens on Thursday nights. I know every time I've gone, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, so it's wonderful. Um, you just said something that um, brought back to my memory of this experience. So I did um, Stern Speaks last year as, as a first-year student, and um, um, the MBA 2 that I um, – that that also did his speaks at that time. I think his, um, his name is Eric. Um, I was in um, I was in Florence um, over the the summer, uh, early June, and I w- my friends and uh, my wife were all walking, and um, we saw this gelato shop, and uh, we went in to to get some treats, and you gelato know, in Italy. <laughs> it, it was a good time. Um, and there, um, Eric was in that gelato shop, like, you know, randomly. And, um, so his speaks, he spoke a little bit about, um, you know, his family and his mom and he was there with his mom. I was like, oh man, like, you know, I know you because I've heard your story. And like, you know, it was just, it was such a cool experience. I, and it's just so like random, so serendipitous, like, you know, here we are sharing a moment here at 44th West Street, West Fourth Street. And then, you know, we're in like, you know, this random gelato shop across the world and like you know we're having another moment as well which is thought that was incredible there's this I think very powerful acknowledgement of being heard also at this school and I would like to brag about you a little bit um because I was so happy to share this yes I was so happy to share this story with the Stern Chats team I actually didn't know you before and I had the honor of being in your chair being interviewed by Sherry and Frank and you actually stopped me in the hallway and said hey, I listened to your Stern chats, and you're a really incredible person. And I think that just goes to show so much about your character and how you're fostering the Stern community. Because while you might not even remember doing that, I probably texted like 20 of my friends and family being like, this guy just said something so nice to me. (laughs) And that's why I was like, this guy has a story to tell, and there's so much more about that. But I love that you took that hallway conversation instead of like, what are you recruiting for? Or where are you from? And really acknowledge somebody and I think that you acknowledge Eric in Florence and you're acknowledging here and I think it's making a huge impact on our on our community at Stern and uh, that warms my heart to hear and it literally took nothing out of me to just say hey Devna I know you don't know me but I listened to your Stern chats it was incredible I think you're amazing and um and that's that's really cool to hear and I think we should definitely encourage people to be more open and just having you know these small acknowledgements they they go a long way Absolutely. I'm happy to hear that. I feel like this experience at Stern, at least for me, granted, we're only six months in or or whatever it is since we started in uh, August, September, um, has been one of the most different experiences in my life in that you feel as though you can have these types of conversations Mm -hmm. with people. The level of EQ here, I know it's the admission (laughs) slogan now. No, but it's it's really heartwarming. um, And I've felt the same way. I've had numerous interactions like that where it's definitely um, really impactful to me. So um, thank you so much for continuing to do work within Stern Speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing we just would like to transition to sort of along the same vein is you spoke a lot about in the conversation we've had with you in the past about paying it forward, yep. about how you feel as though you've benefited from a lot of things that communities have given you um, and wanting to carry that continuously. Yep. Can you maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing recently or or, or looking forward to doing post-Stern um, that, yeah. you're, that you're particularly passionate about there? Um, sure. So I think we all benefited from, you know, the kindness of others, um, whether parents or uh, other family members or friends or whatever. We didn't get here by ourselves, just like by our sheer hard work. Sure, that was a huge part of the equation, but it's so much more than that, right? And um, just acknowledging, you know, the efforts of others 
and also acknowledging that there are people who will come after us who will be facing similar challenges that we have faced and that, you know, just seeking out opportunities to really give back in that regard and in any capacity as well. So whether it's through tutoring or um, being a mentor or, you know, whatever it is that you can you can find, whatever, if it's just community service or whatever it is that you can you can use to, to give back, you can lend your time. Um, or any resource that you may have that can benefit someone else, I think um, that that goes a long way. And so, um, so I've been involved in um, this non-profit organization called iMentor. Um, so um, my mentee graduated um, last year, and I haven't been involved as much um, at the moment. But that was um, my way of, you know, paying it forward through education and you know, lending resources to uh, another student. Right. And um, even last night um, uh, during um, Stern, <laughs> I keep going back to Stern Speaks, but um, 104 um, or guest last night, um, Zara Main, which is an incredible woman, she spoke about the volunteer work that she's doing with um, I think it was a rape crisis center. And I thought that that's an amazing thing. It was an, and she spoke about her Muslim faith as well. And um, within her community, um, how they try to give back. Right. And um, and that was one of her um, ways of involvement in, in that capacity. And um, it just served as a reminder to me and hopefully to many others as well that, you know, we should we we should, you know, try to give back in any way that we can and in any capacity, no matter how much, no matter how little, because our efforts will go a long way. Is there a mentor that has shaped your time here at Stern or even just in New York overall? Um, I can't necessarily point to to one mentor um i know my my older brother william has been you know a, a huge person to to follow i think he's one of the most brilliant minds i've ever met and just being his younger brother kind of facilitated you know that um my efforts in doing well in school as well because he always said and it's like you know oh my big brother is doing this so i have to do that too um Kind of like you know that sibling competition or sibling rivalry kind of, but it's like never a rival because he's eons like you know <laughs> smarter than I am. But um, but he has always been encouraging and always you know he like his achievements has always given me you know kind of a platform to really excel as well. Um, my mom is a huge inspiration to me as well. Um, and and also through my different stages of life, my. My coach at, at Kent, who is also, he was a history teacher at Kent, and um, he was also my academic advisor. Um, and he pointed me in several um, directions as well, and, uh, you know, helping me, guide me, guide, guide me to make, you know, the, the right choices. Um, and even, you know, in college as well, there are so many students that I, I looked to, to, to really, you know, guide me along the way. Um, my wife has been a huge um, help in that regard as well. Like, her father as well. Um, has been like you know an academic advisor of sorts for me, or just like life advisor in general. So um, I can't necessarily point to just one person. It's just that you know it takes a village really, and um, and that's the 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 idea of community that you know I I have experienced, and I would love to give back in that way. So I know this is only my third show hosting yeah. Stern Chats, but listening to all the previous episodes, um, based from Sherry and Frank, one theme that has been consistent has been mentorship. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we can we can do classroom learning all we want, but I think where people really learn um, is through the mentorship process. Mm -hmm. And 
just going back on that and really what makes an individual learned, for lack of a better word, is having those interpersonal connections of somebody being able to guide you. So I'm really glad that you touched upon that for sure. And also being open to it too. I think that you are open, that that whole portion about knowing what you don't know and being open to people helping you and guiding you. It takes someone who I think is really self-assured to ask for that help or be open to other people helping. Like you said, like your wife is a mentor. That's an incredible way of thinking about it. It's not just someone who's a CEO or out of B school for 10 years. It's someone who you see every day who, who can always teach you something new. Yeah, that's incredibly important. More or less to close out, yeah. Francois. Um, you're going to be going into the wonderful business of dental hygiene through our friends at Colgate. <laughs> yes. Um, beyond that, beyond your professional life, um, what's next for you? Oh, man. I've never really sat and uh, and thought about this um, as much uh, beyond, you know, just my next professional um, step. Um, I don't know. I, I just want to to achieve as as much as I can while I'm here, um, my limited limited time here. Um, and also just try to be a good human being and be someone that um, others can look up to in, in any way, shape or form. And um, being able to, to give back in how I envision myself giving back in the future. I think, um, you know, this has been an incredible journey and I'm, you know, happy that I've had this experience and, you know, I've grown over the past two years and I'm just excited to see, you know, whatever happens in the future. Um, I I don't necessarily have a particular goal in mind as far as that's concerned, but whatever happens, um, I'm excited that, you know, I've provided a platform for myself. One of my long-term goals, this is a very long, long way in the future. I, you know, if I have the chance to own a beach house in Montego Bay, I... Done. <laughs> See it, will. manifest it, exactly. buy it. Wait, yeah. not all houses in Jamaica? <laughs> they're not all beach houses? What? You know, unfortunately, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, so that's that's a long... That, that's It's very materialistic, but um, I think if that ever happens, I would say, all right, well, you know, I've, I've achieved what... <laughs> Excellent. Francois, thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit more about your background, coming from Jamaica, what it was like going to school in the United States. It was absolutely a pleasure having you on the podcast. No, thank you guys for having me. This has been an honor. The time went by really quickly, which is so surprising. But I want to say that you guys are doing an amazing job. Um, so please continue. It's really um, important for community also. A lot of cool guests, including Devna, have sat in this chair. And, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of cool guests in the future. So I'm just happy to be a part of, you know, this community. That's cool. Excellent. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.